to see which professors are highlighted in this episode and to see where their segments begin. Please see the timestamps in our show notes. In my freshman year, for basically like the entire freshman year, I was unfortunately in an abusive relationship and that really affected my grades and my motivation. Like I came into UNT, I knew I wanted to be an English major and that's all I knew. This is Stephanie Battaglia, who began her journey at UNT in fall 2017 and is set to graduate this coming fall. Early on, she wasn't so sure she'd make it to commencement. Her situation felt, to put it mildly, overwhelming. So once it was over, I I had had issues with trying to get um, a protect like a protective order, and like the whole like legal system of like trying to get that done it's like 40 pages the application for one is 40 pages I remember like printing it out at the UNT library and looking at it like 19 years old like what what am I supposed to do with this um and I just remember feeling like really like confused and helpless and so I knew that I wanted to do something that would help other people not feel like that At the end of her sophomore year, Stephanie heard about UNT's moot court team, coached by political science professor Dr. Kimmy King. She tried out for the team at the beginning of her junior year as a way to learn how to be an effective advocate. I went to the political science department where I am am very unfamiliar because I'm an English major, so being in the political science department, I feel like an alien sometimes um, until I get to Dr. King's office, of course. Since moot court was completely new territory for Stephanie, she wanted to walk through her argument with Dr. King prior to the tryouts. Though she worked hard to formulate a strong piece, in retrospect, Stephanie suspects it wasn't her best argument. But Dr. King, she says, was the definition of encouraging. <laughs> Looking back on it now, it was definitely bad, but like she will never like tell you it's bad because she doesn't believe that like, It's, she, it, like, in her heart, she doesn't believe, like, even if you do, like, a horrible job, you fumble through your argument. I'm pretty sure, like, someone could cry at the podium in front of judges, and she'd be like, you know what, I know that you put your heart into that, and it just, it spilled through your eyes. Following the tryout, Stephanie was welcomed to the moot court team. It was a happy moment, she says, and not just because the experience would ultimately set her on a new path. Being part of Moot Court allowed her to spend more time with a professor who provided much-needed inspiration and empowerment. And it's not just that, Stephanie says. The personal attention Dr. King provides to the members of a team that can number anywhere from 15 to 30 students is pretty unbelievable. She even inquires about the well-being of Stephanie's dogs and always remembers their names. Bevo and Duncan, if you're curious. I know she would, she, if, like, she heard me saying this, she'd be like, no, 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 this is all you, you've done this, and, like, you've worked really hard for this, and, like, I totally have, like, I, I, like, bounced back, but I definitely would not be in the position that I am now without, like, her guidance, and I think that she's made, like, she doesn't, I don't think she accepts this fully, but she's made, like, a huge, huge impact on, like, my life. I'm gonna get emotional because I really care about her, um, but she's just made like a huge, huge impact, I think, 
um, that I am a good example of how much she's like changed people because like I am studying for the LSAT right now, getting ready to go to law school when like I came to UNT and I didn't even, if someone would have told me to go to law school as a freshman, I would have been like, no, that's so much work. And speaking in front of people, I could never do that. But I think with the guidance and like all of the confidence that Moot Court and Dr. King has given me, it's just made everything seem so easy. And that's what today's episode is all about. The professors whose passion, dedication, and support help students see what's possible and set them on a path to making the world a better place. A couple of months ago, we put out a call asking students and alumni to tell us about current UNT professors who have done just that. And the response, unsurprisingly, was staggering. While I wish we could highlight all of the nearly 100 professors who were nominated, on this episode of UNT Pod, join me, Erin Cristalis, to learn more about the finalists who we're calling our first ever North Stars, the kind of mentors who steadfastly illuminate the way to a brighter future. And considering all the wonderful things students and alumni said about them, it's clear they're more than deserving of that lofty title. So stay tuned to learn more about the instructors who, year after year, help students' dreams take flight. Oh my goodness, I can't say enough good things. He, I feel, went like above and beyond. I just, like, love her. She doesn't want to let you fail. That's a teacher that I hope, even hope to be. She has a huge heart. She had a, always an open door policy. There are a lot of things you should know about Kimmy King. Since she joined the UNT faculty in 1993 as a political science professor, the expert in international relations has taught classes ranging from constitutional law to public policy and assumed the role of coach for UNT's now nationally ranked moot court team. But there's something else you should know too. I'm a very emotional person. I will, you will, students will tell you I'll cry in class, I'm a crier. Nothing wrong with crying, nothing wrong with crying. On this rainy day in late May, Dr. King has a lot of reasons to be emotional, mainly because she's just learned of the glowing nominations she's received from current and former students who use adjectives like life-changing and transformational to describe the impact she's had on their lives. And as much as her students remember Dr. King, her kindness, her knowledge, her fairness and fortitude, she remembers them just as much. When you've taught more than 18,000 students over the course of nearly three decades, you'd think it would be easy to forget a face or a name or a voice. But Dr. King doesn't need to be told who's speaking when she hears what students and alumni say about her. That's Stephanie. I love that I know their voices. This is the best part of my job. Do you know how rewarding that is? When somebody says, why would you be a professor? All I can think of is why wouldn't you? In fact, Dr. King has been hooked on teaching since she took a position as a full-time lecturer at SUNY Brockport back in 1991. Initially, she thought she'd take a law clerkship in Maine, but after falling in love with instruction, she accepted a position at UNT. And it was here that she developed what she calls a taxpayer theory of education a political science-based approach that continues to guide her instruction. 
It's that you as a student in many ways are like a taxpayer. Government takes your taxes, your tuition. In return, they are to provide you the best possible service that they can. And government is accountable to you. But it doesn't mean you get to tell government what the policies are. You have an opportunity every semester to vote on that government. And I think my job is to take the taxpayers from being just taxpayers to being engaged, civic-minded citizens. And that approach, it seems, has made its mark on students. Take Elizabeth White, a 1996 criminal justice grad who credits Dr. King and her constitutional law class with helping her build a confidence and knowledge base that has proven essential post-graduation. Elizabeth, who spent years traveling the globe as an IT consultant, now works in the education field herself. And though it's been more than 20 years since she last set foot in Dr. King's classroom, Elizabeth frequently thinks about the influence Dr. King had on her when she was a student. I was very shy, extremely shy, and it, it took a lot. I, I stayed to myself, so I was really a loner, but my confidence grew during this course because Dr. King, when she would review and grade my, my work and my legal briefs, she would make extensive comments on my papers and say, this is great how you discuss, and she would go through every item. And another thing I appreciated, Erin, was how she coordinated our moot court to provide such a phenomenal experience uh, to us and, and all of the students. And it was, oh my goodness, such an incredible experience. And I, I could not thank, thank her enough for everything that she has, has done for me. But Stephanie was right when she said Dr. King won't take credit for her students' successes. It's all them, she says. And as far as inspiring them to reach their potential, it's all in a day's work when you're part of the world's greatest profession. Teaching changes lives. I mean, ask people like, oh, what's the most important political science article you've ever read, right? Now think to yourself, Who's the one teacher you had in your life that made a difference? I guarantee you, you knew the answer to the second question like that. And what should students expect when they walk into Dr. King's constitutional law class? Here's Stephanie. I will say the biggest appeal of Dr. King's classes is just like having someone who truly cares. Um, and it's truly like my constitutional law that I took with her, um, the class was probably one of my favorite classes that I've ever taken at UNT, which is saying a lot because I did take the Harry Potter class. But no one, no matter how psyched they are to delve into constitutional law, is more excited for a full return to campus than Dr. Keene. Though she did teach face-to-face -face this spring, the experience was far from the norm. She can't wait she says, to fully reconnect. I will be so excited to have a classroom full of people where I can see their faces. I can, I can read them. I read people. I have them turn and try to talk to each other. I, 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 I am most excited. I am genuinely emotional. 
about seeing a student smile or frown or laugh <laughs> or cry or look confused. And you know what? I'll even take the fall asleep. <laughs> but I'll just be so happy to have them back. Paho Man is all about spaces. For years, the associate professor of studio art has worked on a series of photographs that offer a glimpse into the junk drawers of acquaintances and strangers. Those private spaces that, in their array of shoved away items, offer secrets about who we really are. I was always interested in this kind of near private space, this kind of place where you don't really think uh, much about what's in there or how it looks. And, and I was curious to see if I could understand something about the way we lived or us or individuals by making photographs of that. But when it comes to individual spaces, it's not just physical environments that interest him. Since he arrived at UNT in 2007, he's also focused on building creative safe havens for his students, where they can feel free to focus and expand their artistic vision. I think one of the things that's really exciting about uh, art and um, photography is that uh, students are creating their own ideas from the beginning. The students are generating their own concepts, their own ideas, and their own research from, from the first class they take with me. And so it's, um, it's a space where uh, I, I build a structure where they, can, where they can do that. And it's really important to me that they, they make their own work, right? They have the opportunity to find things that they're excited about and put those pieces together. While he teaches undergraduate courses such as Intro to Photography, a class during which every semester, he says, he inevitably witnesses students find their creative spark. Professor Mann also mentors graduate students as they begin to teach photography at UNT. One of those students is Shelley Tao, who recently finished her MFA in studio art and photography and will graduate this fall with her MA in art history. So I feel like all my professors in CBAB were very supportive, but he, I feel, went like above and beyond. He helped me in my teaching. Um, which is really important to me because that's the field I want to go into. So he was always available to bounce ideas off of, and he always gave really good feedback that was helpful to me. Um, I also found as I got closer to graduation, he was super willing to read cover letters and uh, CVs for me and um, really, like again, like I said, went above and beyond. The extra mentorship I never really see as extra. I see it as it as like core to what I do when I teach graduate students. I learn a lot from them in that process of talking to them about teaching as well. You, you, you know, it's a, it's an, a changing field and it's, it's always becoming something different. And, and, you know, over the past year, it's been kind of turned upside down and how we're doing it and all of these things. And so working with uh, graduate students who are, are really new in their career of teaching and really excited about it. And um, they, they bring all these new ideas and these new uh, approaches uh, they're, sort of, you know, value structure on what's most important is slightly different than mine. And I get to, to help them understand the expectations, but I also get to learn from them and, and understand the, the discipline as it's changing. And so it's a really a rewarding process. What's also rewarding, according to Shelley, is being in Professor Mann's class. 
It's a place for exploration and inspiration, an experience students won't regret having. As hard as you work, um, PAHO will put in that same amount of work. So if you are willing to come into class and work really hard and give it everything you have, he is going to equally uh, work and support you just as much. She's seriously like hands down, hands down, the best professor I have ever had. This is Ashley Guzman, who graduated from UNT in 2009 with a merchandising degree. For the past 11 years, she worked in human resources for a corporate retailer. But once the pandemic hit and her job became a seemingly never ending process of laying off workers, Ashley knew it was time to make a change. She'd always wanted to work in the healthcare industry. And after doing some research, audiology and speech language pathology seemed like a perfect fit. So she quit her job and in spring 2021, enrolled in UNT's leveling courses, which prepare students who weren't ASLP majors for graduate studies. At first, Ashley says, she felt a little intimidated. After all, she was embarking on a whole new area of study without the safety net of a full-time job. But once she enrolled in Dr. Kat Aoyama's phonetics course and met with her during office hours, Ashley felt nothing but excitement for the future. She's always generous with her time and she's just really encouraging. So she has office hours and I talked to her twice on her office hours and she always spent like a full hour with me. Just like talking about like, not just like, oh, what are your questions about phonetics, Ashley? <laughs> she would just ask me about me and we would talk about just different things and I'm honestly like right now I feel alone like I don't work with my friends that I worked with for 10 years I just don't I don't interact with as many people as I used to and it gets kind of lonely and so to have just someone she probably doesn't know how much it really meant to me but to spend like a couple hours with me and to walk me through everything I just it was so kind and honestly it sounds like not a big deal but it was one of the kindest things that someone could have done for me this semester when I was so unsure about my life and it's so unsure about the change that I decided to make. I'm a chatter. You probably know it in like 30 minutes, but I would talk to anyone, um, you know, and, and like the student was saying, I would talk to anyone for like an hour. This is Dr. Aoyama, better known to her students as Dr. Kat. An expert in psycholinguistics and phonetics, she joined the UNT faculty in August 2012 and now works as an associate professor and director of graduate studies in speech-language pathology, where she uses her insatiable inclination to chat as a way to better connect with students. And sometimes I'm like, is this okay to ask like where you are from or, you know, like what are you going to do or like what other classes are you taking, you know, and, um, and not everybody likes that because it's kind of too much sometimes, I guess, but, uh, but for the most part, you know, I, um, most students would uh, share some aspects of their life. But it's not just office hours where she's open to that personal sharing. 
Dr. Cat encourages her students to look for examples of the concepts they're learning in their own communities, languages, cultures, and daily experiences. In class, she often plays YouTube videos students have shared with her that tie to phonetic principles they're learning and loves to hear when they've identified language development milestones in their own children or young relatives. I approach it as I'm the guide and I'm a little bit ahead of, this, of the student in terms of this particular topic. But, um, but I, um, what I really want them to learn is to think on their own. So that's kind of more important than the content itself. Dr. Kat has inspired independent thinking in her students, Ashley says, along with so much more. In her nomination, these are the words Ashley used to describe Dr. Kat. She's spirited, she's energetic, she's magnetic, and she's inclusive. And the chance to finally meet with her favorite professor in person, Ashley says, is a big reason she can't wait for the fall semester. Online, she's always like, oh, so bubbly and like making sure like have your coffee. She just, I love her, but I'm so excited to be able to see her in person. And I know I can tell that she loves being around people. And I know that she's super excited to be um, teaching in person in the fall. So I feel really lucky that I get to have another class with her and see her in person. Brittany McElroy, a lecturer in the Mayborn School of Journalism, teaches what students have come to call the eight-hour class, an intensive real-world exercise in broadcast journalism that has them reporting and producing full stories in, well, eight hours. It's, it's actual name. I can't even remember it. I, I call it the eight-hour class too now. It's like advanced writing and reporting for broadcast in the web is the official name of it. In her four years at UNT, the class has become her favorite to teach, which is saying a lot because she loves every class she teaches and really anything to do with broadcast journalism. She's known since she was a kid that she wanted to be a reporter. And after graduation, she worked as a reporter, producer, and anchor in local TV newsrooms for a decade. When she made the transition to teaching, she knew she wanted to give her own students that adrenaline-pumping, eye-opening excitement that comes with producing a truly great segment. And the thing that I love about it, honestly, more than anything, is most of the time when the students are signing up for it, like the semester before, when they walk in the door, like you can just tell that they're just like so nervous. Like what? Like I can't do this. Um, or, oh my God, really? Like the class is eight hours long. Like <laughs> this is insane. Um, and there are, there are absolutely students who don't love it, but I would say more often than not, they leave that class and they are very, very proud of the work that they've done. And a lot of my students end up saying, this is the best class I've ever taken. And it's true that students love the class, but not just for the content. Professor McElroy's approach to teaching is another reason the experience is so impactful. She's really dedicated to the profession. She's really dedicated to the industry. And she's really dedicated to the individual person. This is Joshua Carter, a broadcast journalism major who is set to graduate in May 2022. She changed the way I think when it comes to journalism and the way she teaches. She 
explains everything that you need to do to do well in the in journalism she doesn't want to let you fail she's she's just really there for you um and that's what i think is just amazing about it professor mcelroy says she knows the class isn't easy that's why she gives students her phone number so they can text with questions or concerns even on nights or weekends after all she says that's just part of treating the class like a real newsroom well it is a lot of work for both them and for me I think that it ultimately make like I get to know them in a way that a lot of professors don't get to know their students because we're together all day, one day a week. And while they are working really hard, you also have that time to just kind of like talk and hang out and, you know, like really go through their work in a different way. What you also get in Professor McElroy's classes, Joshua says, is a crash course in what the future holds. And she'll be there for you, he says, every step of the way. Her classes are are awesome. I mean, like I said, she's there. She's there. She uh, she'll answer any question that you want, uh, that you'll ask, and she's not going to sugarcoat anything for you. When you're really, when you're actually going in for a job, you know, she'll tell you everything that you need to know or what to expect from employers. But to get that real world experience is is a wonderful thing. And that's really what it's all about, Professor McElroy says, being there to support students during their academic journeys and even after. She just hopes they leave knowing how proud she is of them. One of the things that I love is like, honestly, when I get a text from somebody who, um, for example, like a student who graduated a few years ago, And I literally got a random text from her and she was like, hey, I need to do this records request and I'm not really sure where to start. Like, I love that like you, you took my class two years ago and you're out working and you feel comfortable enough to send me a text and like ask me a question about how you go about getting like a certain type of records request done. And so like, that's what I hope is that my students know. and, And I think that a lot of them do that they know that like, once they leave my class, like that, it's, that's not it. You know, that they, years down the road, if you need something, let me know. Like, I, I'm here for you. Here's how you stop a dinner party. Oh, nice to meet you. What do you do? Oh, I'm a math professor. Oh, I hated math. <laughs> uh, I couldn't wait to get out of that class. <laughs> um, that it's um, I get an awful lot of that. This is Dr. John Quintanilla, a university distinguished teaching professor in the Department of Math and Associate Dean of Undergraduate Studies for the College of Science. Dr. Quintanilla, better known to his students as Dr. Q, one way to skirt the unusual pronunciation of his last name, he jokes, has taught at UNT for the past 25 years. That's exactly one half of his life spent trying to shake that dinner party stigma. His general philosophy, Dr. Q says, is to inspire students to want to be in his class, to never even think of saying, I hate math. I try as hard as I can to make my students want to be there. I, I am very serious about my subject, but that doesn't mean we can't have fun doing it. Like, 
every single time I ever heard about Dr. Q, it was always, oh, he's he really has high expectations of you, but his class is kind of a little bit challenging. And I'm like, okay, I'll just go with it. <laughs> Saaravalo, who graduated from UNT in 2017 with a bachelor's degree in math and a minor in secondary education. Marissa was part of the Teach North Texas program, which Dr. Q helped co-found and co-direct for eight years. And as part of the program, she was required to take Math 4050, a challenging course that teaches aspiring educators uniquely effective pedagogical techniques. But walking in the first day, he slapped himself with a handful of chalk dust in his hand. First day, I believe. I, it might have been the first week, but... I, that's the first impression I got of him. And I was like, okay, well, this is an interesting person. I want to get to know this teacher. Marissa is now an algebra teacher at Crum High School, and she finds herself often using the lessons she learned in Dr. Q's class. And it's not just the approaches to the content that have stuck with her, she says. It's the way he so genuinely cared about each and every one of his students. He always has this kind of way of getting to know his students and getting in the mindset of what his students are going through in order to make himself a better teacher. And I think that really, really helps out. And in a way, I feel like that really has changed my way of teaching as well, because I want my students to feel like I want to get to know them, that I want to be a part of their support system. And there was a one time there was a incident where I went into a, a presentation thing that we had going on. And I really just felt like I was just going to fail everything. I just didn't know what else to do. And he took me and a friend of mine into his office at the campus. And he sat me down, took me off of that ledge that I was like, right on, like, I'm just going to fail everything and said, everything's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. And that's a teacher that I hope, even hope to be. That's exactly what Dr. Q hopes his legacy will be. That of a patient, caring, effective instructor who quelled the fears that often surround math. After all, he says, he's learned just as many lessons as his students in the 25 years he's worked here. I, I, I never forget this is the story for uh, one of my senior colleagues when I first started. He, uh, he was teaching pre-calculus for 40 years, and he was really annoyed. So I've been doing this now for 40 years. Why don't they understand it yet? <laughs> and um, now that I'm more senior, I have to keep reminding myself, yes, this is something I've done over and over again many times, but for my students, it's the first time. And just try to always remember that, yes, this is old hat for me, but it's a brand new experience for each new cohort of students that I see and just tried really hard to keep that front and center in mind. And now that students have the opportunity to take Dr. Q's classes in person, Marissa says, it's an experience they shouldn't miss out on. Take the class, just take the class. He is, um, he's a great, awesome teacher who really cares about his students and you will go in that class knowing everything that you need to know when you walk out of it. Take the class. That's all I can say about that. Take a look at Dr. Angie Cartwright's responsibilities and you won't exactly see a short list. 
Dr. Cartwright joined the UNT faculty six years ago as an associate professor in the Department of Counseling and Higher Education, where she teaches master's and doctoral level classes and is the director of the undergraduate minor in counseling. Last year, she served as an academic affairs fellow for the Office of Faculty Success and was instrumental in creating anti-bias and cultural awareness training for UNT faculty and staff. She also heads two grant-funded programs, the Integrated Care and Behavioral Health Project, which she created with Dr. Chandra Carey and Peggy Ceballos, and UNT Classic, both of which focus on increasing access to mental health services for underserved communities. And she also serves as the current president of the International Association of Addiction and Offender Counselors. You'd be forgiven for thinking it sounds like a lot, but Dr. Cartwright doesn't mind. It is so much fun. And my friends and family, they're just like, so do you rest? And I really, I do. Like I have very strict boundaries when it comes to like family time and personal time and resting and all of that. But I really love every aspect of my job. It really is great. It's that level of enthusiasm that has made Dr. Cartwright a hit with undergraduate and grad students alike. She's one of the only professors in the counseling department, she says, who has the honor of interacting with the entire spectrum of university learners. Um, it's, it stretches me in some ways to be able to see students at like 17, 18 years old when they come in. And then I'm seeing students who are like 40, 50 years old finishing their doctorate. So it's just, it really just depends on what I have on my schedule that day, what kind of hat I put on. So it's like, am I a mama today? Am I not? Like, what am I doing? So that, that's really cool. And it's that open-hearted approach that has inspired so many of her students. As a researcher and counselor, Dr. Cartwright has spent her career supporting underserved populations. Whether those are students from underserved backgrounds, minority, LGBTQ+, whatever that looks like, um, offender populations, so all the good stuff, all the people who are pushed to the margin, those are, those, that, those are my people. Much of her work has centered on sex offender populations, an area of counseling that many often choose to shy away from. She has a huge heart and works with populations that um, I remember in my first semester of classes, our class got into a debate about, you know, rehabilitating um, sex offender populations and how hard that would be for them. This is Hannah Clausen, who graduated with her master's in counseling in 2017 and is now a licensed professional counselor. This summer, she opened her own clinic, Well Culture Counseling in Denton, where she works with all types of clients, including those with ADHD and complex trauma, and also does some work with the justice system. As a student, Hannah says, she always admired Dr. Cartwright's commitment to working with offenders. Now, as a fully licensed counselor, she admires it even more. Dr. Cartwright has really dedicated a lot of her work to that, and I think that that's really unique and special because it's a very needed field and it takes uh, someone with a big heart and a, a lot of empathy to enter into that field and really do great work with people. But for Dr. Cartwright, it's stories like Hannah's that are inspiring. Her favorite part of the job, she says, is receiving emails from students about what they're up to now, whether it's to say they earn their license, opened a clinic, or need a professional reference. She loves to see them grow into world-bettering counselors. That's part of the reason she's so excited about the student cohorts offered through the ICBH project, where students receive hands-on experience in counseling underserved populations. Coupled with the trainings that were provided, I just felt very prepared to work with underserved populations, to be culturally competent, to 
be able to help clients not only as a counselor, but help them connect to resources that they needed for other areas of their life as they rebuild their, their lives. That's Rebecca Wartz, who has a bachelor's in psychology and master's in counseling from UNT and is now a PhD student in the counseling program, where Dr. Cartwright is her major professor and committee chair. Rebecca, who previously worked as an advisor in UNT's College of Science, was part of an ICBH cohort in 2018, where she first received mentorship from Dr. Cartwright. To see her in different capacities and to see her in different roles also is an inspiration to me. And it just further excites me about the work that I want to do because I also want to be pretty versatile in the work that I do with being a counselor, being a professor, being, you know, in the community, um, educating both inside and outside of the classroom. It's nice to be in a space where I have a faculty member who I identify with even culturally and that looks like me and that um, I feel I can really share a lot of commonalities with. And so that is another piece that has been very instrumental with the work that I want to do, but then also just where I am now, both personally and professionally. I could rave about Dr. Cartwright all day. When David Bryce and his fiance Randa began planning their wedding, they knew exactly who they wanted to officiate the ceremony. David earned his bachelor's in material science and engineering from UNT in 2013. And shortly after joining the master's program, he met Randa. During his time in the department, David, who earned his master's in 2015, had become acquainted with Dr. Rick Reedy, a university distinguished teaching professor and advisor in material science and engineering. At that point, Rick had been part of my graduating uh, or graduate committee for my master's. It helped me so much, and he was basically a friend. And we asked him, like, hey, can, can you do it? And he gave us a look like, well, it's going to be weird being a reverend, David. <laughs> I forget his quote, because he always has a memorable quote. Th three of my students have asked me to officiate weddings. This is Dr. Reedy, who prefers to go by Rick or just Reedy. The first student who asked Reedy to officiate his wedding explained to him how to get his online ordination. After that, the requests just kept coming. I have asked them all in turn, uh, you know, couldn't you find somebody more qualified? Um, but they wanted to. And to something, to be that involved in somebody's life, I, I have no words to explain that. Ever since he joined the UNT faculty in 1997, Reedy has developed a great rapport with students in his department. He's renowned as a researcher, especially in advanced materials and manufacturing processes, but it's his role as an instructor that's most important to him. The, the teaching is what gets you up in the morning. Uh, and since I have 8.30 classes both semesters, um, it's is necessary. I, I wanted to kind of think about what sums up uh, why teaching matters to me. And, and it's because of them. I, I, I want to be better because of them. It's obvious as students have noticed that commitment, not just individually, but as whole classes and cohorts. Part of his role in the material science and engineering department is serving as a cohort advisor, 
where Reedy is a student's go-to person. In 2018, his entire cohort presented him with a hand-drawn birthday card that included material science puns. We had a lot of uh, very passionate students in my cohort, I would say. Um, and so I wasn't the one who orchestrated all of that, but I definitely did sign the card. <laughs> this is Tyler Hunt, a 2018 material science grad who was in Reedy's classes as well as his cohort. I think what I appreciated the most about his teaching um, was that he, he had just been doing this for such a long time that he, he had a real um, way of talking about his subjects and way of presenting tests and quizzes and, and the uh, uh, sort of the projects that we worked on through his classes that were very engaging. As a person though, he was also our advisor. And so our, our cohort, uh, our class specifically had him meeting every year and throughout every semester for planning our next classes. And he would really take the time to learn us individually and learn our personality styles. Uh, and so he would ask, you know, by sophomore, junior year, he was asking us questions about our personal lives and getting to know us on a more intimate level and it just made that connection with him a lot stronger. He had a always an open door policy. Here's David again. And whenever you were just walking around, it's like, oh, Rick's door's open. I have a question about this. And then over years it uh, evolved into, hey Rick, let's just uh, talk about anything. And we'd always just talk about any type of subjects or what have you. You know, when they come to your doorway, um, there's a moment, you know, where you have a chance to reach or not reach them. And if you look busy or grumpy or whatever, they may not come in because they were sort of terrified to show up in the first place. You know, you, you can't minimize that. I, I, I rest that on some of my own experiences when I was terrified to go see props and those that welcomed me in, you know, I knew I was safe and, and I knew I had a, um, a place to be with them. And, and, you know, Sometimes the advice was garbage and sometimes it was great, but it, and I, and I know I'm no different, but the, the fact that they felt they, they feel like they can come back again. Um, you know, whether I said something stupid or not the, the first time, it's, it's okay. Thank you for listening to UNT Pod. To learn more about the professors featured in this episode, please see the links in our show notes. And don't forget to stay connected with us on Twitter at UNT Social and on Instagram at UNT. Until next time, be safe.